Each episode of Keys for SLPs has an accompanying audio course on speechtherapypd.com, registered for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. A special coupon code is available for listeners of this podcast. Type the word KEYS for $20 off an audio course subscription. This audio course subscription gives access to all existing and new audio courses from speechtherapypd.com. With more than 200 hours of audio courses on demand and new courses released weekly, it is only $59 per year with the code KEYS. Visit go speechtherapypd.com slash keys for more information and start earning ASHA CEUs today. Hello, welcome to Keys for SLPs, a weekly audio course and podcast from speechtherapypd.com, exploring keys for speech language pathologists to better serve clients throughout the lifespan. I'm your host, Mary Beth Hines, SLP and certified orofacial myologist experienced in rehab outpatient, school, and private practice settings. As a curious SLP who embraces lifelong learning, I'm excited to discuss information to help you excel as a professional. Keys for SLPs brings you experts in the field of speech-language pathology, as well as collaborative professionals and caregivers to discuss practical therapy strategies, research, challenges, triumphs, and career opportunities. Engage with a range of practitioners from young innovators to pioneers in the field of speech-language pathology as we discuss a wide variety of topics to help the inspired clinician thrive. Welcome. Before we get started, here are the financial and non-financial disclosures. Mary Beth Hines is the host of Keys for SLPs podcast and receives compensation from speechtherapypd.com. She is a member of ASHA Special Interest Groups 2 and 13 and the International Association of Oral Facial Myology. Jesse Andrix receives compensation from speechtherapypd.com for this episode. She receives royalties from online websites and a salary from her company, Andrix Coaching and Online Services. She is a member of ASHA Special Interest Group 11. Welcome, Jesse. Jesse Andrix earned her master's degree in speech therapy from the Medical University of South Carolina. She is a trained integrative health coach and yoga and mindfulness teacher focusing on stress management for SLPs. She has presented at the ASHA annual convention and at state speech pathology association conventions on topics of stress management and burnout prevention for SLPs. Jesse has written for the ASHA leader live and the initial blog. She has created several CEU courses and been featured in a variety of speech-related podcasts. She also runs the website, jessieandrix.com, where she has programs and resources to help SLPs reduce stress, burnout, and overwhelm. That's a lot of accomplishments for such a young person, (laughs) Jessie. Thanks. Thanks. It is. It is. It's been a whirlwind at times, but in a good way. You know, the, the good kind, not the draining kind that I think we're used to. Well, I think your career path has been so compelling. Will you tell us about your career path and how you discovered the need for resources for self-care for SLPs? Yes, absolutely. So I graduated in 2008. I still feel like I'm a newer SLP. I don't, I mean, I don't know if that will just be the way that it feels for a lot of people throughout their entire career. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you look and you're like, Oh, it's been over a decade. So it's been a while since I graduated, but in grad school and definitely 
within the first three years, I was excited to be an SLP. I was so excited and I was so stressed. I just felt like there was no, no work-life balance for me. And I worked in a lot of different settings in those first three years, sometimes due to wanting to change settings and sometimes Mm -hmm. due to circumstances that were out of my control, like the hospital going through layoffs. And so I had the opportunity to explore which I think is one of the things that we're told in grad school. Like if you get there and a setting doesn't feel right, there's always a new setting to try until you find the right one. Which is really one of the great things about our field. We have so many different avenues to pursue within speech language pathology. And between different populations, between different locations, different settings, different diagnoses, if you want to specialize in just one. So, and you've actually in your short career, not that short, but in your career, you have (laughs) hit almost them all. (laughs) Yeah. So I have, so I've worked with, I started working in a skilled nursing facility and worked in uh, inpatient hospital. Well, it was a hospital setting with inpatient, outpatient, and mostly adults. Once in a while, we would have pediatric population. Mm -hmm. And then I worked in the school setting and a few little, you know, PRN random jobs here and there. And that was all before I decided that the stress was too much. I didn't know what to do with it. The work-life balance was not there. And I felt like no one, there wasn't anyone I could talk to about my stress. I mean, I probably should have gone to a therapist to talk about it, but there was no like friend or coworker or anyone that really understood, you know, if I told someone that wasn't an SLP that I was feeling so stressed, they would be like, oh yes, my work is super stressful too. So, and it wasn't that I thought, no, your work isn't stressful. It was just, no one got it. No one understood what I was really talking about. Your brand of stress. Yeah. And I felt like my coworkers, other SLPs, they just seemed to love it until like, especially when I worked in the school, there were three of us one year and two of us another year, but they would show up super early. They would stay super late. They seemed excited for it. And I was just kind of like, I want to get there at the last minute, leave as soon as I can do a good job, but I really am disconnected from what I'm doing. The stress just grew. I tried a few things, but nothing seemed to really help. And I eventually decided that I love teaching yoga and I was in yoga teacher training and I'd started teaching classes and that brought me so much joy that I was like, well, clearly I chose the wrong career. That must be the one solution here is that I chose the wrong career and I was (laughs) meant to teach yoga. So that's what I did. I just, I quit. A complete pivot, a complete (laughs) pivot. And you, yes. (laughs) absolutely complete. And how long did that pivot last? I thought it would last forever. I let go of my state license. I let go of my C's up until the point. I didn't realize that. So I did, I would, I would check in with ASHA every year because I knew that there was a point where they were going to change their standards. And if I didn't have my C's by like, if I, if I didn't make the absolute decision to keep them gone forever or get them back, that I would have to retake the praxis. So it was like that date was always in my mind because it was like, I really, nobody wants to retake the praxis. No, no, no one wants to take it to begin with. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) So I eventually got near that date and had some opportunities and a few things come up where I had decided it was, it was almost five years that I, I was not an SLP, but I decided to get my C's back, but I didn't actually 
do anything with them for a while. I was helping run a yoga studio, teaching a lot of classes, doing some, some health coaching, teaching workshops, just kind of in that, in that world. I was pregnant with my daughter, my first, my first child. I think I was due in like a few months and the owner let me know that she was moving and closing down the studio. And so I had this opportunity to open a new studio with a newborn and do that. Talk about stress. (laughs) (laughs) Or figure something else out. And so as much as like I had this dream of opening up a yoga studio, that just did not sound appealing. It wasn't the way I wanted to do it. And and I wanted something with some stability. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to like start finding yoga classes and taking this little baby to to different like daycare centers and gyms all over town. And none of that sounded appealing either. So I thought, you know what, there might be different opportunities now. I feel more open to being an SLP again. And so I just started looking and I thought I can start part-time. I could start PRN. It doesn't have to be a, you know, 40 hours a week, full-time like it was before. So I found teletherapy because that was kind of the only thing available Mm -hmm. except for working directly in the school district. And I knew I didn't want to do that. So I found teletherapy and I was so excited and I was like, it felt like the right fit. And I really ended up enjoying it, but it was just a few hours to start. I could easily just like take my, my baby was going to go next door to our neighbor's house for a few hours, you know, and if I needed anything, I was, our neighborhood was like, our houses were not far apart. So it was like, I could just pop over if I needed to. It seemed like a perfect stress-free situation. It was, and it was a great way to ease back in, but it was also totally different than anything I'd done before. Like it was working one-on-one with students in the virtual setting. And so that was fine. I, you know, I I could work with school-age population, but I didn't have the resources. Like I didn't know what to use. And this was before the pandemic where now, you know, everybody felt that scramble last year and a lot of people stepped up to like help share resources. Speech therapy PD did the the teletherapy camp camp and then the reboot. And, but before all of that, you know, starting out new, there were a few things, but I decided to go on Facebook groups and just see where people had resources, you know, like what are you using? Does anybody have any good ideas? And so that was great. I found that, but I also found out that everybody was very stressed out. (laughs) So it was like when I left, I don't think that we had these connections like forums or Facebook groups or things like that at the time. So I think that maybe I know I felt isolated in my stress. Like I must be the only one. I'm thinking maybe a lot of people felt that way. But once we were able to connect and you could reach out to people that were in similar situations, but weren't necessarily your boss. Right. You it's really a little harder tell. to tell. Yeah. Right. You can't tell your supervisor I'm stressed or even your coworker who might mention it to the Yeah. It's, it's that like, oh, you want to talk to someone, but you can't. And now there was this place where people could just not, I mean, sometimes vent, but also just share and just say, I'm struggling or what do I do? Like, this doesn't seem fair. I don't know what to do anymore. And, and so it was, I found great resources for what I needed, but then I also saw that there were a lot of people who seemed like they were on that verge of quitting or that wanted to quit, but knew that like financially they couldn't do it, or they felt guilty for spending all this like time earning this degree. And so I was no longer feeling that way. And I knew that the stress I was feeling from, you know, starting a new position, I could easily work through or find techniques and things to do to make it better. And I had kind of a game plan for what to do when stress happened again. It was very manageable. Yeah. And so I, I could figure out what to do and figure out ways to take care of myself. But I noticed that a lot of other people didn't have that 
or weren't sure where to start when they felt so overwhelmed with the amount of work that they had and the workload or the fluctuations in like productivity changes and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I took my experience, but also the things that I had trained in over those five years and had been teaching really were ways to take care of yourself better and to manage stress and to, to work through all of that. So I took all of that and put it together to help other SLPs so that hopefully we don't have people just needing to leave, you know, we're wanting to just leave anymore that when things get rough, we can figure out what to do. And then from there, we could figure out now that we're able to take care of ourselves better and able to help manage our stress. Do we need to switch jobs? Do we need to advocate those type of big issues we can take on when we're in a better mindset and feeling better and feeling like more able to do that? So you started off, you created a presentation and from there you created the website or how did that evolve? Yeah. So I started off, I think I started off writing a few blogs just of things that I had learned that were good for like burnout and chronic stress and Mm -hmm. introducing what they were and gratitude and gratitude journaling and little practices and then started reaching out and doing some presentations. I think the very first presentation I did was at UNC because I'm here in Raleigh, North Carolina. So, you know, I just started reaching out, finding programs near me that I knew I could, could go to. So I did like my first presentation ever there. So were you presenting to the students there, the grad students? Yeah, to the students. And what I realized and felt really bad about, well, not bad, but just kind of like, oh man, was that they didn't, they were feeling stressed about being students, but there were things that they were kind of like, what's going to happen? Productivity levels. I thought my stress was going to end. I remember someone said, what do you mean when you say productivity level? And I thought, oh no, this must be a first year that hasn't gone through clinicals yet. Or like, oh no, you're going to find out soon. That's one of the hardest parts. Right. You know, so for students, there's stress. And then there's also, it kind of helped make, or helped me see like why sometimes we're really stressed in grad school and we're told like, you know, it'll get better when you could do it on your own, but then you still feel stressed and you're like, well, this must've been the wrong choice for me. But it's kind of that we don't always realize what the stress is going to be, or we, you know, we go through our clinicals and we do the work while we're students, but there are still aspects that you're not going to see or experience as much Mm -hmm. of sometimes Mm -hmm. because our supervisors are really nice and are like, you know, I'll take care of the billing. You don't need to see the billing. Right. But then you don't know that that's part of the job, like all the admin parts of it that we do, we don't always know about. So my externship was a long time ago, but I don't (laughs) remember. (laughs) I can ask Yumi from speechtherapypd.com because she was my supervisor, but I don't think that productivity was because you were learning. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was as a part of the actual externship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You just kind of like, I remember in the school, it was like, cool. So you just like have a schedule. You just mm -hmm. like, this is your schedule. That's who you see. No big deal. (laughs) Going through, I think. Yeah, I ended up working at the same thing. Like one of the places that I ended up working at had been my externship. And so it was pretty different from being a student to right. to being and 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 that was that was a wonderful place. That one was one where the, the hospital went through cuts. So that wasn't like the one that drove me to quit. <laughs> well, there are so many factors that are really outside of our control in this environment. Mm-hmm. Um whether there's a hospital merging or closing or closing a department and merging. I know where I worked, rehab 
that department was outsourced or taken out of the actual hospital. You know, there are just a lot of yeah. changes in, in this environment. And then, of course, with schools, there are all kinds of changes happening all the time. So there are a lot of things that you can't control. With schools, I know that when I, I would, I contract, well, I worked with a contract company, you know, and, and they found a placement mm-hmm. for me in a school district, but I left about midway through a school year and the next school year, the district decided to no longer do contracts for a year and see if they could, you know, hire their own because for them it worked out better. So yeah. So even when, you know, if you're in a school where you think like, all right, stability for 30 years, right. And then something like that happens, you never know. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all of those things, it's one of the things I like to, you know, talk about with self-care when managing stress is that even if everything is perfect and you're in the ideal situation, or if we took away all these parts of the, our jobs that are, you know, like our paperwork, productivity, our workload, caseload, like even if all of that was perfect, there could still be this thing that comes and happens that like you didn't know. I mean, I think after this last year, that's definitely, you know, we did not know that was going to happen. We did not know. Exactly. But even something like a merger or, you know, the district deciding to change the way they do the contracts and all of those things can be really stressful. So if we don't know what to do about the stress or decreased uh, student population, I was just talking to another guest who was mentioning that in California, outside of LA, the district that she's in has had reduced uh, student population. So that changes the way schools are too. So you started a blog that you started with some presentations and what happened next? Yeah. So it's just kind of built from there. So connecting on social media was a big thing in the, in Facebook groups, just, you know, not necessarily for me to like, be like, Hey, look, I do self-care and stress management for SLPs, Mm -hmm. but just to, you know, make connections and grow has been really wonderful through Instagram, especially. I think there's a lot of SLPs on there that have some sort of self-care or mindfulness or yoga or stress management, burnout, PTSD approaches to it, Mm -hmm. you know, helping, helping SLPs either with the work that they're doing or with their lives. So just making connections through that. That's been one of my favorite parts of all this, but doing blogs, presenting, reaching out to, to Asha to try and and help write for some of their blogs, or I get to do a poster presentation at, at Asha. And then just recently presented at Asha connect over the virtual one they just had this year. And that was amazing, but growing from there and then creating the SLP stress management course, which started out as a phone conference a few summers ago, where it was just kind of like, if anyone wants to just chat for an hour about a few topics, we would do that and we'd get on like a a phone call and I'd chat for a while and would talk about our topic for the week. And then I'd send them the recording of our phone call. So, I mean, that's pretty chill to start out. It was was like, there was very, very, not a lot to it, but that's, that has grown. And how many people were on the phone call? I think it was like 10 people were on the first phone call, which I was so excited about. And it was very much kind of. And was it phone, not Zoom? Yeah, there was no video. There was no like slides that were sent. It was just, I think I'd email them and say, here's the, you know, the, the phone conference number, the line to call. And we're going to talk about, you know, this for this week. Okay. And we'd talk about our brain and the way that stress affects it. Or we'd talk about why we're so stressed as SLPs and then talk about some of the ways that we can manage it. But yeah, it was just me pretty much on the phone 
talking to whoever was there that day or whoever's going to listen to the recording later. Um, but that's turned into an online course now where there okay. is where there is video and there's like live coaching calls through Zoom. So we get to see each other and not just listen over the phone. It's changed and grown. And I was hesitant, I think, before I, like when I was first feeling stressed and, and you know, reaching out into like the self-care and yoga world of things, I never mentioned to anyone that I was training to be a yoga teacher. It was like my little secret I kept to myself because I thought that no one would accept it. And so I think that that probably wasn't true. <laughs> right, right. That was just me. But now, now I think it's just, there's such a need for, for that type of thing. You know, there's such a need for it. And so many people open to it because, you know, we know as SLPs, like we've got to do something. We can't just keep going this way or, exactly. you know, exactly. we're, we're all going to end up quitting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I think we have mentioned before, I am doing my yoga certification training now yes. uh, for similar reasons, a little bit different. I have an interest in yoga therapy with adults. Yeah, it, it was something that I had thought about for a long time, but really didn't want to mention it in t to any of my SLP friends until I actually had made the decision. But now that I'm in it, I see that there are several dual certified SLPs and even some, I just, are you familiar with Talk Yoga? Oh, no, I don't know that one. But now I'm going to go look that up as soon as we're done. <laughs> I just discovered that yesterday and I told Yumi, it'd be great to get them on. So that's a whole program for language and artic that uses yoga poses oh, along with articulation. Yeah. So here we are plugging for, and that's the great thing about the internet and Facebook, Instagram, all the resources that we have here now. I feel like as a profession, we are so much more connected than we were mm -hmm. 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Speaking of resources, I want to say thank you for creating such an awesome handout to go along with this presentation. Oh, so you're welcome. For, oh, well, thank you. Yes. For anyone who is listening through speechtherapypd.com, the handout is available on the website under our podcast. For anyone who's listening through another resource, I'm sorry, that is not available, but if you want to get it from speechtherapypd.com, please do. Okay. So we're talking about self-care. And that's kind of a buzzword that we hear a lot. How would you define self-care for SLPs? Yeah. So self-care, I mean, it is, it is such a buzzword. It's trendy and it went from being like underused or like, you know, kind of just being like that, the buzzword to almost being overused mm -hmm. in the last year. It was kind of like, okay, we could just throw out this word self-care and tell people to take care of themselves and everything will be okay. And then that made people really not self-care. Right. <laughs> it was kind because of like, really please stop talking, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like just saying, take care of yourself. If you, you know, if you have something to back it up or you've, you know, it's not just the thing you're signing at the end of an email, then it can actually mean something. But sometimes this past year, it's just kind of meant not as much to a lot of people or it's, it's turned it into something that is like an eye roll. Right. But it mm -hmm. is a tool of mindfulness and it's and mindfulness is, a, is part of stress management. So self-care is, is part of managing our stress, take care of ourselves as part of managing our stress. And it's not something that we're like taught how to do necessarily, you know, like you, I mean, yes, you know, like your basic survival, taking care of yourself, but mm -hmm. we're almost sometimes taught the opposite of 
self-care, you know, like just keep going, keep pushing, just you'll get it done. Everything will turn out okay. Like those types of things, but we do need to stop and take care. So well, sometimes it can be confused with being self-indulgent. Yes. Yes. And, or there might be guilt about taking care of yourself versus taking care of others, especially for us SLPs who are in a helping profession. Mm-hmm. And most of us join the profession to help people not to make millions and millions of dollars. Right. For, for those that that happen, that does happen to some SLPs and that's great. But if that's your goal, it probably is not a profession to join. Right. Exactly. So by definition, I guess to get back to the, the definition is it's a mindfulness practice. It allows you to take care of yourself so that you're better able to show up in the world to be of mm-hmm. service to yourself, but to be of service to others. Because you're right, like we as SLPs help people. And so we do that all day. And then a big majority go home to help other people, right? Like if you have children at home or you have pets at home, or you just like have other people in your life that you care about, you end up helping them too. And so it can be really hard to not help other people Mm -hmm. when we're so focused on being productive at work, meeting the productivity standards on things, then it's like, if you stop and take a moment, you're like, well, now I'm not being productive. I need to be productive. Like, even if you're at home and you're not at work, it's like, it's still that need to be productive. (laughs) Right, right, right. I know in our house, we have to stop ourselves. Like, okay, you don't have to be productive 24 seven. Yeah. 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 So self-care is that way to to come back from all that. So if you're taking care of others all day, you have to take care of yourself. And the way to trick yourself sometimes into doing that is to think that it is productive to take care of yourself because that's how you're going to take care of more people. That is a very good point. So, I mean, if that's, you know, if, if you're feeling stuck, it's a way to trick yourself into it for sure. But it's kind of the cliche analogy or the, you know, the one that's used the most, but it's filling your cup. If you keep emptying out your cup with every person you see, every patient you see, like it's going to get very empty, very quick. And then if you try and keep going without filling it back up, you're going to be like, you know, scraping the cup, trying to get like any little drop left. Right. So it'll start to affect your work as an SLP. It'll start to affect like what you're putting out into the world and how you're showing up in the world. So taking care of yourself to fill back up it's good for not just you, but good for everyone. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the way to think of it, if you do feel, or if you're told, because sometimes it's like you feel like self-care is great, but then someone else might tell you in your life that it's selfish. Or you might have that little voice in your head telling you it's selfish. The way I like to think of it is if it's selfish, then it is purely for you at the cost of someone else and not just at the inconvenience of someone else. Like if you have kids and you're like, Hey, can someone watch the kids while I go and meditate or go and do a yoga class or go and sit and read a book. But if it's harmful to the other person, if it's something that is just for you and is, is not good for your, for the other people or for the world, then that's going to be selfish. But if it's something that, you know, if you take a break from what you're doing and you come back better that's self-care. I like that definition. I like that differentiation. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> I will be using that. <laughs> okay. So then we, we talked about self-care, but how about the term self-care checking in versus checking out? Yeah. So this is another way 
to kind of see because sometimes we do things and they're not necessarily selfish things, but we consider it to be self-care, but it's really not self-care. And it's not that it's like harmful to anyone else, but it's not going to help you get rid of the stress that you're trying to work through that, that you're doing the self-care because of. So if you're really doing self-care, you're, you're doing things that allow you to check in. I think so. So I'll explain checking out first, because I think sometimes we relate to this one a little bit more. So when we're checking out, we're doing things that help us to totally ignore and avoid the fact that there's anything stressful going on. So that's what we, you know, I think most of us relate to doing that. And sometimes it's good because sometimes you have those days that are just awful Mm -hmm. and that are so, you know, I mean, we work with people and sometimes things happen to the people we work with, or we may have a really hard meeting, or it's just a day that's really exhausting and draining. And there was a lot to do that day. And you just need to like, not think about anything because your brain can't process it. You know, like those days where you get home and someone asks you a question and you're like, I don't know what you just told me. Like, yes. and as an SLP, this is not good. I know this is not good. <laughs> I heard you, but I'm not listening. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and I can't listen or focus. It's just, everything is mush. It's gone. It's done. I'm out for the day. So like we have those days and at those days, sometimes we do need to check out. Like we just need to sit, put on a movie, put on a show, like, or, you know, not think about anything. But sometimes we... I say sometimes, but I think a lot of the time we let that become the normal where that's our go-to. And I I always think of it as like the binge mentality. Like Mm -hmm. we go home and binge on, you know, we get done everything we have to do in the evening so that we can binge on Netflix or we can binge on. So like TV shows, movies, just like putting them on, totally absorbing in them, but not in a way that's like, a special being present to it. It's just like, I'm going to put this on and totally zone out for like four hours. Yeah. Autopilot. Yeah. Autopilot. Or, you know, sometimes you binge on, on food, like chocolate, wine, other substances or things, you know, like there's just the, the kind of binging overloading on things to make it through the rest of the day or to forget Mm -hmm. that the day happened or what or social media, you know, like we could go on social media to connect, but a lot of the time we go on to just kind of scroll through mindlessly and just like be like, all right, cool. Two hours passed and now I'm going to go to bed. (laughs) Right. So it's like, sometimes we might need some of that, but like the checkout is good, but it is not actually productive self-care. Am I? Is that that right? Yeah, because it allows you to ignore the stress and avoid thinking about it. And, you know, on those days where you're so drained, like those once in a while days, that could be good. Mm -hmm. But if that's happening every day, that's kind of a big wake up. Oh my gosh, like this, this, you know, if, if every day that's the strategy that you need, there's something more that you've got to do because it's going to let the stress grow. Like if you ignore it and avoid it, it doesn't go away. It just Mm -hmm. shows up the next day and the next day might have stress. So the stress from the day before is going to pile on top of that. And if you just keep ignoring it, it's going to get really big. And then you're either going to have to face it or when you're like, I'm going to do something about this, the stress is going to be like this mountain that wasn't there before. So it just allows it to get bigger and to, to, you know, until you can't avoid it anymore. So checking in is the opposite. 
Checking okay. in is when you are doing some sort of self-care, when it's something that's reflective or allows you to say like, okay, this was really hard and I'm feeling stressed, but how am I feeling? What do I need? What is going on? What can I do to help balance out what I'm feeling or not avoid it, but like work through it and live within it? Like it could be pausing in your day for a moment when you're just like rushing, rushing. It could be finding like a quiet moment. There's a lot of different things that you could do for self-care, but knowing that it's something that's going to help you move forward instead of just pretending it's not happening. Okay. And that's a big one because it's easier to check out than it is to check in. It is. And I have all kinds of ways that I, retail therapy is a good one. Oh yeah. That's a fun one. (laughs) (laughs) But just for clarification, checking out is, is good and okay. As long as, as long as you keep it in check. Yeah, it's not like used without checking in. Yeah, like once in a while if you need to. But if it's kind of like if you're if it becomes a routine, it's like if you're once in a while becomes every other day or every day, Mm -hmm. or even if it's every weekend, I allow myself to just totally check out, then that's kind of like leaning for that, you know, waiting for it. If it's kind of that rare once in a blue moon day that you have where you're like, okay, this was hard and I just need to not process anything today, then go for it. But checking in is what you want to be doing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so tell us a little bit more about checking in. Yeah. So that is things that, you know, you mentioned like retail therapy and that's kind of like one of those things that it depends on where you're going with it. Like if you're using it to totally check out and avoid, but if you're doing it because maybe you're going shopping with your best friend or something, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're going to have that time where you get to talk about what's going on in your life and support each other as you're shopping, then that could be a way to check in. right? Right. So Checking in would be really, I mean, it depends on what you do for self-care. And I think we'll get to this in a little, what you get, what you do for self-care depends, you know, it's different for everybody, but as long as it's something that's going to give you a moment to just say, okay, how am I actually doing right now? What is going on? Like, okay, I'm feeling stressed, but I'm not going to just ignore that that's happening or pretend like it's not happening or I'm feeling really drained from today. So but feeling really tired, maybe I need to get these thoughts out of my head and write them down in a journal or call someone to talk to them about it that I know is going to just let me talk through it mm-hmm. or go to bed and sleep so that I'm not so physically exhausted tomorrow. I kind of those types of things would be more geared toward taking care of yourself than pretending everything is okay. Right, right. So even, and I don't mean to make listeners think that I have, that I'm a frequent retail therapy (laughs) (laughs) checker outer. (laughs) And actually I was thinking of one of uh, my children who uses that term quite often. But anyway, sometimes checking out is like going to, I always said, well, I go to yoga to check out because when I'm in a yoga class, I'm not really thinking about anything else. Since I've been part of the certification, I'm learning more about active meditation along with yoga. But um, in general, that's that's what I do when I go to an exercise, whether it be yoga or any other exercise class or even going out for a run. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because I never thought about that 
with it. And that's definitely a term. So that's a, with like with this and with self-care itself, you know, we throw words out there or the words that you might see are like hashtag self-care. They're sometimes used for things that they aren't actually doing or that like we use them in a way where it means the opposite. So with self-care, that's definitely it. We see it for things that are not self-care or we, with the binging part, it's like a lot of times we'll see hashtags about like, but first coffee, Mm -hmm. all the coffee, all the wine. And I love coffee. I think every time I sit down to do a presentation, I actually have a cup of coffee because it always (laughs) comes up. Like I have a cup right here with me and I do today. There's a difference between the one or two cups that I have one to help me wake up because I have two little kids. Right. But, you know, and enjoying like the kind of the experience of I just like enjoy a hot cup of coffee when it's quiet. There's a difference between using that as a form of self-care versus when I'm trying to like get that feeling of that moment, but I'm really mm-hmm. like on my third or fourth cup of the day. And it's just like, because I'm so stressed, I'm like, well, maybe if I just have another cup of coffee, it'll feel soothing, but it's not actually soothing. It's just that exactly. struggling. So that can be what we do sometimes. But then, like you said, with checking out, I'm going to go to yoga and I'm going to check out for a while. That's a little different than saying, I'm going to go and like scroll social media for a while. Because, you know, because you're, you're, I mean, you're in yoga training and as a yoga teacher and a yoga student, I know. And I think anybody that's listening that has practiced yoga will get this. And if you haven't, go practice some yoga because it's fun. But (laughs) we say we're checking out, but really we're checking in. Like you're checking in the whole time you're in that class, like that 60 minute class that you're in. You're having to focus on one thing which is why it becomes almost like a meditative experience because, you know, you can't focus on a lot. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by all that's going on, it allows you to take a break from it without Mm -hmm. avoiding that it's happening. It allows you to tune in to like, okay, my body is feeling this way in this pose today. I know because I'm going to fall over if I don't pay attention to what I'm doing, what's going on. Or while you're breathing, you're helping your body to, you know, find a deeper breath, which even if you're in a vigorous yoga class where your breath is shorter, you mm-hmm. know, because it's like you're, you're just doing so much movement, right? it's usually, it gets a steady breath though. So that's going to be more calming than when we're stressed, the like, you know, short kind of sporadic, shallow breathing that happens. So it'll help your body feel calm and it helps you to turn down your stress response. And then that way you can help problem solve what's going on that was so stressful. So it's doing something good for yourself. So even though we kind of think of it as checking out, cause we're like taking a pause, mm-hmm. it's really deep checking in like right. yoga class is like a deep checking in experience, but we use the word checking out. Cause it's kind of like, it's a fun thing to say, like, I'm going to go check yeah, out for a while and go, yeah. go do my I yoga. Think I was just <laughs> using the wrong preposition. If I think about right. it. Yeah. But it, that's, that, that's like the common one we use. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause if you said, I think if you went to, you know, said to, you know, a group of yogis or your, your family or whoever it might be like, Hey, I'm going to go check in for a while. They'd probably be like, what? Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to like a hotel or something? <laughs> Oh gosh, that's funny. Okay, so that clarifies it. So our goal with self-care is to check in. Checking mm-hmm. out every once in a while, binging on something to get just to get your mind off things is okay. But if you find that you're doing that every day, you probably yeah. need to ask yourself some questions about why. Yeah. Okay. Well, sounds good. Okay, so then we talked about different levels of self-care. 
Yeah. So I think this, this kind of helps clarify some of like what we were talking about before, like what would be self-care or what there's like two main levels of self-care, but they're not one is good. One is bad. So like with checking in, checking out, it's like, you want to check in, you don't want to check out too much, but Mm -hmm. there's superficial self-care and deep self-care. And when we say superficial, it's like another word that we automatically associate with not being good. Right. Superficial self-care is good. And you want to have that, but you also want to have the deep self-care. And it's more about having both because superficial self-care is kind of the lighter fun things. So if you only do those things and you don't ever get that like deeper type of of self-care, then they're more like the quick fixes, the like okay. the bandaid over the big wound. It's a good thing to have and it's definitely going to help, but you eventually might need to do a little bit more. And then the deep self-care is the stitches for that wound, which is such a gross analogy. So I apologize for that. <laughs> like, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, it's it's SLPs. We've all, we've seen it. So, but it's like, but if that's all you're doing all the time, that can get a little heavy. So having a balance of both is needed. So it's not, you know, I think a lot of the time, if you hear that, you'll think superficial, bad, deep, good. Right. Right. But they're both really good to have. So the lighter ones are things that kind of just help you relax and they could be more fun. They're the ones that could seem indulgent and they absolutely could be and could even be considered selfish if you take them to the extreme And again, they're at the expense of other people, but they're the things that you might not be like in a big reflective state while you're doing it, but you'll be relaxing and then feel better. So, you know, like a bubble bath, like taking a warm bath. I think that's one that a lot of people associate with self-care. And then that could be one that sometimes is criticized because it's all right, go take your bubble bath and then be better. But if you enjoy doing that, that's a very relaxing thing to do. And as you are taking a moment, you can shut the door, you could lock it, no one's going to interrupt you. And that might be what you need. Especially, you know, as SLPs, a lot of the things that I think we need for self care are like quiet moments, things that are quiet, because we talk all day, and we're trying to get people to talk to us. So it's just constant talking. Yes, (laughs) you know, and so having moments of quiet is rare and much needed. So things like a warm bath could be that superficial self-care or taking a nap where as long as you're not using the nap to check out and totally ignore that you're stressed, but like Mm -hmm. you just, you know, Mm want to restore for a little bit doing the, you know, I think a big one is mani pedis. That's a thing that sometimes gets criticized, but if you enjoy those, those are again, really relaxing to do or doing like a facial like, I don't want to say face masks because that's not, that's a, you know, that's a totally different thing now, but doing like a facial mask of some kind, kind of those spa type, indulgent feeling, luxurious Mm self-care. Those are the kinds that feel good and are, are more fun to do. Or even like a movie night, or if there is, I was talking about this a few weeks ago and it was like a new TV show, like it finally come out that my husband and I had been waiting for. So we were every week when a new episode came out, we was like, that was our night to like, yes. okay, we're going to watch our show. It's going to be great. And it wasn't a way to check out, right? It wasn't just like, all right, put something on so I don't have to focus on anything for a while. It was, mm-hmm. let's get into this. And oh, this is like a special event or, you know, when uh, streaming services over the last year, a movie came out and you're like, oh, well, we can't leave, but we get to watch a movie movie that was a special thing versus just having movies on all day right so that could be a way 
if it becomes something that is meaningful and helps fill you up in that way, then that could be the superficial self-care. And then the deep stuff is the stuff that isn't always, I mean, it can be fun, but it may not always be, it may be harder to do. So it could be when you're, you know, having a journaling practice, whether it's like a gratitude practice that you do every day where you're reflecting on the things that are, are going well in your day. And that can be, that can seem really easy, but you know, on days that when you first get started or on days that are not going well, that can be really hard to do. Or maybe even using like a journaling practice for stress, writing about the thoughts that are in your head. So they're not just in your head anymore. Or like you said, yoga practice, like a movement practice to help you, we might say check out, but really to help you work through some of what you're doing and and work through it or meditation. But it could also be looking at the goals that you have and reevaluating if it's still something that is resonating with you, if that's what you're wanting to be moving towards or, or living your life with, or even setting boundaries of your time, your emotions, what you can can take on, who you can be around, that type of thing could be considered self-care as well. So those types of things, some of those are fun. Like if you love writing, you love meditating, you love movement, it's going to be fun. But you know, sometimes reevaluating our goals and what we're working towards and why we're doing the things we're doing can be really good for us, but also really hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes we don't want to know. Sometimes we're kind of avoiding seeing that, you know, right. no longer has the purpose I thought it would. Ah, oh, what do I do now? And I think that is the reason because it's the, oh, what do I do now part, which it kind of causes a little bit more stress because it's a call to action when you sit down and write those goals and evaluate your goals. And that now you've got to, now you have something else to do. And if you've already, if you already seem overloaded, then writing new goals can make that overload increase. So it can. Yeah. And so that's why you have the other types of self-care too. So that could you imagine like if that's what you did every, for all your self-care was like the resetting your, your life no, and like no. putting things like that would, you're right. Like that would not be, it's good to do, but yeah, doing that all the time would then become just another layer of stress. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how do you suggest, I mean, we probably all do a little bit of self-care without calling mm-hmm. it self-care, but for those of us who want to have an intentional self-care practice, how do you suggest that someone gets started? Yeah. And you're right. Like, I think we do more than we realize, but then sometimes we struggle to do self-care. Like we were almost pushing, like, well, I heard I'm supposed to do this, so I'm just going to keep doing that. And it doesn't, like, if it doesn't resonate with you, it's not going to be a value to you. It's not going to do anything. That's where I was stuck in. I would go to the gym. I would, you know, so I would, I would run or, which I do. I love running. I would take yoga and I love yoga, but it was like never the right time of day, or it was kind of like a push to get to it, or it wasn't quite the right style of yoga or the the purpose behind it wasn't there. So when I was really struggling as an early SLP, I definitely didn't have the self-care practices that I needed, but I was like, well, I heard this would work. So I guess I'll try this. And then okay. it didn't, you know, so sometimes you get stuck in that. So it's okay to keep trying. And what works for you may not, or what works for someone else may not work for you. What works for you may not work for someone else. So, you know, it sometimes takes some playing around to figure out and life changes. So what you need at one year may not be what you need the next year or the next mm-hmm. day. 
But I always like to think of like one way to get started on things is to basically do what this sounds kind of kind of silly, but like do what we were taught to do in school when we had to do like a project just start brainstorming. <laughs> so make a list. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it seems so obvious, but I don't think that's where I would have right? started. So, so if you just you. make a list of things that you might consider self-care, even if they're mm-hmm. like, you're not sure if it is, or it's just like something someone told you they like to do any ideas that come out. If you just put those down, it helps you to, well, to get them out of your head because we do right. hold a lot there. Like we hold a lot in our thoughts, usually a lot more than we realize there. That'll free up some space, but it'll also like, you'll have a concrete place where it is. So like put it down somewhere, type it out, write it down, whatever you'd like to do, and then go through like which things are actually interesting to you. And that's a big thing with any type of self-care or mindfulness, stress management, the interest has to be there. Mm-hmm. And there are definitely things that are good for you. Meditating. And I know you, you've you talked about meditation in another podcast episode. It's a really great thing to do. It's great for you. It's great for your brain. It's it's wonderful. But if that is not something that resonates, if like, you have no interest in it, I wouldn't say start there. Okay. Get there eventually. But, you know, you might have okay. to start with, with something okay. else first and know that later on that that is a good thing to try and do as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you start with some of the lighter things if that is or just something that sounds fun like I loved movement. So, finding a yoga class that I really really enjoyed and at a time of day that I actually enjoyed going to worked for me. The time of day is so important. Yeah, because yeah. You, and that's you the that's the other part is the time of day. So, like for me, I was I really wanted like I'll use yoga as the example. Like I really wanted to feel more peaceful and calm and not always, ah, what am I doing? So, so it was <laughs> yoga. Like I enjoyed a few yoga classes I'd done. I was like, I'll find a class and go regularly. So I found a class that started at like nine or nine thirty on a Saturday, which doesn't seem early. That sounds totally doable now. But when I was like 22 or 24, like nine o'clock on a Saturday was kind of early. Now it's like, oh yeah, I've been up for hours. Right. And so the idea of that was like, okay, well, I'll go to this class. But then I was very stressed about on Friday night, like, oh, you know, I've got to get home and I've got to go to bed and then I've got to wake up early and I've got to make sure I get there on time. And then I would go to class and it wouldn't really be the style. Like I wouldn't, I'd be like, well, it was okay, but I was kind of bored at some parts. And I don't know, you know, it was just kind of like, this wasn't what I wanted. And then I found a class one evening in another place that I went to it and I really enjoyed where it was. I enjoyed the time, like the time of day worked better. And the style helped me do like what we talked about before that, like checking out when you're really checking in. Mm -hmm. I could not focus on anything else because I was so like, if I don't breathe right now, I'm going to like, I need to breathe. I need to, I'm not going to fall over. Like I'm so sweaty right now. Like, I don't even know what's happening, but I am loving this. So absorbed in that moment. Yes. And so that was what really, like I found the right tool for me and that Mm -hmm. really did change, change everything for me. So Sometimes you just have to play around and what you think you're supposed to do or what is supposed to work just might not be what you're really interested in or may not fit the time of day. So that's the other thing too. look at things like what realistically we have what we want, right? But realistically, it may not work. 
we might want to have a morning routine that's like three hours long where we're just doing this big indulgent thing or this like luxurious evening routine. But like realistically, you might have 10 minutes that you could wake up earlier and do something for. So if you pick an activity that's going to take two hours, but you only have the 10 minutes realistically, then it's not going to work. Like it's just, you know, you're going to set yourself up for not being able to do it and feeling frustrated and then feeling more stressed and then giving up on everything completely. So time of day is key. Okay. And then the realistic like amount of time that you have for it. And sometimes that helps you figure out what you're going to do as well. So you might have your list of things and what you want to do. And then you look at the times that you have that you know you could plug these in, the amount of time. And then you're like, okay, so out of these things, these are the ones I can do at that time. And that can help you get started on your self-care. Excellent. That is a very good point. I did go to one class that I, I loved the class. The time of day wasn't great. And I had to use parking meters. Ooh. And just getting to the class was so stressful that I thought, wait a minute, I'm doing this to de-stress, but I'm so stressed to get, you know, to get the parking meters and to get into the class. So yeah, um, I found another place that didn't have parking meters. Right. So it sounds so silly. It's just a little thing, but it has bigger consequences. And no, but that's so true. And then you're thinking the whole time, like, did I put enough in? What if class runs right, over? What if right. I need to change after and I don't have enough time? What if I'm the door will let my mat and, t- and all those things? And then you're like, well, I'm not. I'm not present to what's happening at all. (laughs) Right. Which that wasn't really, well, kind of a double-edged sword of COVID because a lot of us started exercising through online platforms, which Mm -hmm. is great. And a lot of us are continuing to use, but it was hard. An exercise class back in 2020, February, early March, I couldn't stay in class because I was focused on what if I get the coronavirus? Mm -hmm. What if someone else here has the coronavirus? And that's something that's always on our minds now still yeah. as this with the changes in the variants and, and everything. So it is, it um, is. It's, I was actually thinking about that, not to veer too much off topic, but I was thinking about that. I think it was last night, kind of that. I think it'll always be in the back of our minds having experienced and whether mm-hmm. that's like some sort of trauma for the world, you know, basically like that, that we're, right. but anytime we hear, you know, there's been an outbreak, like my daughter's preschool, someone ended up like a parent tested positive. And so they had to let the school, you know, everyone know. And so we were fine because we weren't there that week, but it became that all of a sudden you're back in it again. You know, you're, you're right back right. in the feeling of this is everywhere. What do we do? What if this person and this, and what if we go here? And, and it's just like that response where then you're like, Whoa, didn't know that was still going on inside. It's just been right. triggered. So But the self-care can help with that, hopefully, right? We come back to it. We're like, okay, what's going on here? Let's take a pause. Let's take some deep breaths. Let's come back to like, maybe I write about this if I need to or. Absolutely. Yeah, that is. And it is right before the pandemic. So like October of 2019, my son was born. So I went on maternity leave. Okay. And then I came back to teaching yoga classes and came back to my job at the time that I had. But I went back to like taking classes and yoga classes at the gym. And so it was really exciting to be able to do that and to have someone, you know, for an hour, like I'll go do this and the baby's going to nap in a swing and it's going to be great. And then it was like, no one can go out anywhere. Everything is shut down. And it was like, just do yoga at home. 
I can't do yoga at home with a four-year-old and a, or she was three at the time with a three-year-old and a newborn. Like It is definitely not the no, same. No, so yeah, so it is, sometimes it's that too, like trying to figure out like now if you can get out places, like sometimes that works better. Sometimes it makes it harder when you're trying to figure out parking. So sometimes it's the time of day and the when, but then also the like, where am I going to do this? Where mm-hmm. am I going to do my self-care mm-hmm. that's realistic? If I meditate after my kids are awake, or my dog is awake, I know I'm going to get interrupted. <laughs> Even mm-hmm. for like a five minute meditation, it's either going to be a, right. what you doing mommy? Or it's going to be like, I'll just like, I'll hear the dog's nails on the floor and then there'll be like air in my face. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the meditation is yep. over. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you. You have also offered to provide some additional resources. I know you have a resource list that will be available from speechtherapype.com. Yes. But additional resources, your email is on that handout. So that's great. But for those who are listening through another resource, do you want to do you want to share your email? Yeah. So um, you can always reach out with any questions or anything to jesse at jessieandrix.com. And Jesse is spelled J-E-S-S-I or at Jesse Andrix on Instagram, if that's easier to, to find. And then, you know, I check the messages that are on there. But there's also just on jessieandrix.com, there is the SLP toolbox, which you can sign up for. It's free, but you'll get regular updates when it's updated. But it, it's just a big resource library full of meditations and movement audios and some journaling templates, but things that if you need a resource or something to do, like they're in there for you to grab one, listen to it and, and do some self-care in a short amount of time. Well, thank you. And thank you. That's an excellent resource. We so appreciate you coming and talking with us today. I know you'll be back soon to speechtherapypd.com. We always welcome you. So thank you so much. And you have a great day. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us here at Keys for SLPs, providing keys to open new doors to better serve our clients throughout the lifespan. Remember to go to speechtherapypd.com to learn more about earning ASHA's CEUs for this episode and all podcasts offered by speechtherapypd.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Mary Beth Hines. Keep up the good work.